This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And Ann, there's a lot going on this week. We are very close to a mile marker on the slow crawl to the end of award season, with uh, the ballots for nominations being due this Friday. But we also have the Golden Globes behind us, so we we can go through that a little bit. The Globes obviously are not voted on by the same people who vote on the Oscars, but they give us a little bit of an indication into certain kinds of things. And then we have all these guilds, which give us a much clearer indication. So let's start with the Globes, which I would say had some things that we predicted, but some things we didn't predict, starting with the drama and the uh, musical comedy sections, both of which had some interesting developments in them. Why don't you walk us through that? Well, uh, obviously the winners come out with uh, some wind in their sails, so Greta Gerwig looks good for winning comedy and Saoirse Ronan winning an actress in a comedy, but she didn't get nominated for, uh, she didn't win for director. And, and, she never uh, chance. So uh, there, that, that so Natalie Portman goes up there and and says, you know, uh, it was great. There were these moments like that where she goes, uh, "Here are the all male uh, director nominees." Right. Any <laughs> other year that would be seen as subversive, but this year it was basically it, essential. It was Women's right. Night. It was it was Women in Black. It was Time's Up. It was Oprah Winfrey launching her run for president. And <laughs> I have believe to say, me, she a, is. <laughs> what less than a week after. After I curated an award ceremony with New York Film Critics Circle, I was watching this at home and thinking, well, it's good, but they don't have their Tiffany Haddish moment. And then freaking Oprah comes on stage and basically becomes a presidential candidate. And it's like, man, that was a moment. But I mean, it's not, it wasn't an award season moment. It was just sort of one of those cultural moments. It was a cultural moment, but it's part, you know, this, this whole uh, Me Too, Time's Up thing, you know, basically started in Hollywood and is, is spreading around the, the world. And it, it, the ripple effects are yet to be uh, determined. Um, you know, even after the Golden Globes, uh, there was a, a Jessica Chastain, you know, tweeted about how uh, Michelle Williams made a lot less money than Mark Wahlberg on the reshoots for all the money in the world, and that turned into a thing, you know. And then James Franco wins, and there's all these tweets. He wins comedy. They're all, you know, which put him in good shape for maybe getting an Oscar nomination for Best Actor. Then there's all these tweets that he misbehaved in various ways, uh, you know, which he had to deal with on the Stephen Colbert uh, show. So, you know, this thing doesn't stop. It doesn't end. Uh, Ray, it was a very going. interesting. It was a very interesting contrast between the way the men did not acknowledge in any explicit way these kinds of issues, whereas women did it. Constantly, the men and, did it backstage. Uh, I would say, to his yeah, credit, but, I mean, Gary Oldman uh, that, gave that a very work? eloquent speech backstage. So, and Sam Rockwell talked about bullying. I mean, they were asked these questions and they dealt with them uh, pretty openly. 
Well, and Greta Gerwig got asked about working with Woody Allen, and, and even though she, she didn't really have much to say then, by today, as, as we're recording, she has done a, a, a piece, a conversation with Aaron Sorkin in the New York Times where she was very explicit about it. So yes, but you can imagine that her, um, the entire group of people, the team, the campaign, the campaigners at A24 and everywhere else, Scott Rudin, Cynthia Schwartz, whoever, you know, is behind that movie, they're, they're going, okay, she's going to have to do this. You know, that, right. there's, and Franco, every, everybody, right. believe yeah. me. Greta Gerwig and Woody Allen is an easier fire to put out than James is, Franco at this point, probably. Everything is, is very, uh, very carefully uh, calibrated. And, I will say, uh, though. I would say, I would say, first, on the Franco front, I would think that the ba most of the ballots were in by the time this became an issue. So it's going to be interesting to see but, when, we, when we see what the nominations are, whether that has an impact. It, it raises that that question that came up with Casey Affleck last year, although right. that one reached a fever pitch a little bit later in the If we the were season. to that simmered for a while. That just simmered. It never broke out. It got it got held and in abeyance in a certain kind of way. People talked about it. I think what's gonna happen if that had happened a year later, he never would have gotten nominated. Well his he reputation now in, in a larger sense is all is, is much more complicated. And he should have been what? presenting uh, at the Golden Globes and he didn't. So, right, yeah. right. That's the way it ended up going. So one of the things I thought was really interesting that we didn't really talk about too much was the uh, surprising, to some degree, momentum for Three Billboards, which we talked about early in the season as a movie that seems to embody on some level the anger of our times. It's, it's a crowd pleaser, even if critics and others are somewhat divided it on the It won the Audience so. Award in Toronto. Always and it got an ensemble nomination from SAG, and it did very well at the BAFTA nominations. And it, it, it has not been overlooked by any of the of the guilds. So, so all through the guild nominations, you can see that the Post didn't get certain things, Phantom Thread didn't get certain things, um, the Big Sick got some, but not others. It, you know, Mount Molly's Game and I Tanya are, are in and out. You're, you're, you know, and are doing very well considering that they really weren't. Uh, they were very late. Um, entries, uh, both of them. So steady as they go. Lady Bird, Three Billboards, Shape of Water, and In and Out is Dunkirk and Wonder Woman, the big studio entries. And so everybody's saying now that it's Three Billboards because of the big Golden Globe win. I think it's those movies, all of them, and, and Get Out is, is in there too, uh, still, even if it hasn't seemed to have won anything big. It hasn't lost anything either. It hasn't not, it, it hasn't been omitted. It has been included across all of these uh, groups. But so, it was shut out. I mean, it was uh, at the Globes, and it, and it was interesting to see that as a point of contrast. It was sort of like the love for Lady Bird, it's very loud. Everywhere you look, you hear about Lady Bird, and Get Out is. It's it's respectful, but it's not. There was a moment for that movie, and it was sort of this commercial it's moment. It's not that group, though. It's just yeah. not the Golden Globes. So it, it, it's true. They're and very, for some very that are kind older, of conservative. Maybe a foreign, touch racist. A little, 
Just a touch. I'm saying. I mean, look at those wide shots of the room. There's uh, kind you, of you know, you, they they nominated it. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not giving them credit or taking it away. Here's I'm an interesting saying, question. Given who I, they are, Get Out is not a surprise. I, I will say this though. So there was this whole conversation. Why was Get Out submitted as a comedy? It was sort of a decision on the part of well, maybe it was a filmmaker, maybe it was a studio, whatever. If that movie had been in the drama category, would Three Billboards still have won? Given the enthusiasm for Get Out, if Get Out and Three Billboards were next to each other on the ballot, hard to just say. something I, I was thinking about that. Hard maybe, to say. maybe, yeah. But I'm going to make another point about Three Billboards, which is that the Canadians in Toronto loved Three Billboards. The British leaning into their homegrown product and and uh, they like that guy, Martin McDonough, him. although he is identified as Irish, is very much of a British guy who rose rose up in the British major universe. British playwright. Yeah. yeah. So you've got you've got uh, uh, outsiders thinking that this movie, which is set in America and is 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 purportedly you know showing us how we behave um is it and i love this movie and i think it's brilliantly written and and i think it's extraordinarily uh well done i and francis mcdormand is in all likelihood going to win best actress at the oscars uh for sure and it's possible that rockwell and the winner at the globes and woody harrelson will both get nominated uh which is unusual uh for for best supporting actor it, it, the support from the actors is palpable. The support from uh, the writers is strong. I still wonder if the really strong support for this movie isn't from outsiders outside of this country, as opposed to Americans. Well, this it's an interesting question. question, too, because in a, in a broader sense, it's also a question of how much do people support the movie as a whole as opposed to its individual components. You know, Martin McDonough's style, the tone is the thing that keeps coming up as dividing people. Nobody complains about the performances, so there could be some split votes across different categories. That well, are just judging about. from the people, yes, I agree with you, and just judging from the from the way that people talk about it here in town, in L.A., which is where most of the voters are, and by the way, of course, whatever anecdotal, I was running around Golden Globe weekend, I was going to a lot of different events and parties and and hanging around a lot of different people with various uh, affiliations, and I just have to tell you, there are people who don't like the movie. It, it, people love it, and there are people who hate it. And that when you have a divisive movie, it's harder to get to the big win. It's, it's going to get nominated, and, and there will be seven or eight, probably, uh, contenders for Best Picture, but, and it will be one of them. I'm just saying to say that it's the winner right now is, is, is hard, hard to say for me. I'm also wondering about supporting, I mean, I thought the supporting actor win for Sam Rockwell was a surprise, even though we're talking about this kind of, the, the, the Golden Globes vo voters are not Academy voters, but the Willem Dafoe support, you would, you would think that that was sort of just an, an untouchable thing at this point, the way that we've been talking about it. I it believe that the Florida up. Project is not as strong a contender, and I've heard people talk about those two roles, uh, those two performances. A lot of people talk about Willem Dafoe as a career prize, you know, that, that people love yeah, it's him. His time. And it's his time. It, in the case of Rockwell, it's, a, it's an extraordinary performance. Just what he does with that—the the well, way that he takes this—I wouldn't overstate this, it. But well, he's no, funny. he takes this bigoted, horribly uh, racist guy, and 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 make and makes you care for him 
and makes you sympathetic toward him when he makes the turn, this character turn at the end that's so important. That's, that's, that's also a, a problem thing. that a lot of people have with the movie. So I don't know if that necessarily is a knock against him or not. But it's, it's sort of It's not like against it. his performance, I don't no. think. No, and it's, it's interesting. There, there's obviously a lot of goodwill for Sam Rockwell, who... In, in his own way, has sort of been very respected for a number of years. Very much an actor's so, actor, yeah. So, but, so that that was an interesting turn, and then you had Best Director with Guillermo del Toro, and yes, there was that Natalie Portman remark, but regardless of all that, it, it was nice to see Guillermo del Toro get that kind of support. And in he's a category. probably going to win. He's probably going to win Best Director at the Oscars, too. I, I really believe that, um, because his film has so much support from the crafts. You know, that it has everything. It has acting and writing and directing and cinematography and production design. and co You know, it could be the one that gets the most nominations in the end. And, and, and he's one of the few of the three amigos, or the only three amigos not, not to, to win that award. So, so we got to complete that sort exactly. of uh, trend. But, but uh, there is this open question. Is he going to be up against a woman? Not to say that if Greta Gerwig is nominated for Best Director on Lady Bird, she would necessarily win but is she even going to get nominated at all we don't know that group is notorious here's the thing i don't know how people define this but i'm going to just say it i'm going to say that there are ways that you internalize the rules of how to look at things and unfortunately many people in our industry have internalized without even being conscious of it the idea that a romantic comedy or a coming-of-age story about women uh, or a mother-daughter story, I mean, Terms of Endearment is a rare exception, by the way, the one exception to be re remembered, but that was James Brooks, writer-director James Brooks, who was respected in his own way. Um, this, this is, a, and, and when Catherine Bigelow won for Hurt Locker, it was a man's movie. It was about men. And she is not even seen in a gendered way to some degree because her name carries so much weight it's almost like she's just a titan well, she of the earned industry. that she earned yeah. that herself. she's a, she's approved it she in, has in, with time and Greta Greta is getting Anna. there um uh, very i mean much there's so. a lot of goodwill for her but is totally. that the same thing no, she's got the advantage that a that a you know that a ben affleck would have or the disadvantage i remember he didn't get to to direct her um so i i'm i'm very i'm just saying people look at they, there are a lot of men let's put it bluntly who look at ladybird sexist even if some people love it like yeah i you know from what i understand steven spielberg loves loves ladybird but but that he said uh, it a lot of people a lot of people see it as a smaller feminine you know whatever and dismiss coming it of age that story reason. that's also a knock against smaller it. scale lower Makes budget it sound formulaic i mean that's a whole other but you know what the post is formulaic in its way and even call me by your name is not reinventing the rules you know but there's a lot of goodwill for those movies the shape of water interestingly enough is probably the most kind of unique uh i mean most unique isn't quite right but it's 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 the most visionary original kind of film in contention even if it's not necessarily unlike the anything most we've favorite. ever seen before and completely yeah. I, although get out is in and that get out is, is, is in that it arena it is an well. auteur it is someone who created something out Vision. of nothing yeah. that didn't exist before, Unexpected. that yeah. no one could have predicted, and yeah. and you know puts his stamp on it. All right, so we do have the DGA nominees, and they they are quite the striking contrast to the uh, 
the Golden Globes issue we were discussing before. And the all-male Golden Globes, yes. The all-male issue, not, not there because Greta Gerwig got nominated. Of course, Jordan Peele also nominated. And so you do see the support there alongside Martin McDonough and Guillermo del Toro, who, you know, maybe he's the front runner, but seeing him alongside Greta at least, you know, provides some security that there is a strong Academy support for her as a director, irrespective of what message the Globes are sending. Well, and remember, no wait a minute, wait a minute. There's 17,000 people in the DGA, and it's a much more mainstream group, and the Academy group is much smaller. It's just, a, it's, just it's, it's in the hundreds. And they are much more snobby and more foreign, more, more oriented toward foreign. What's interesting about this list no white males from America. Yeah, which is the first time ever. And I thought that was kind of interesting when we put that one person was like, well, Mexico is actually part of America and Guillermo del Toro is white. But, you know, Mexicans don't always like being called non-white, which is an interesting conversation. But I do think it is kind of notable because it's, that's just a reflection of what the state of the race has been this year. I mean, there, there were not a ton of uh, white American men uh, who were who sort of front runners in this category? That's true. So That's it's absolutely so. So Christopher sort of... Nolan is the other one, of course. So what this reveals is that there are five strong, top of the list contenders for for best director and best picture. And I suspect I could be wrong. Uh, I, the point I'm making is that these two groups are not the same. But when usually the winner of the DGA is the winner of the Oscar, unless it's Ben Affleck or something. Um, but uh, well, this is another weird year. So I think it, are... no, I think it could line up. I actually think it could line up. But it used to. It, what's really interesting with the DGA is that it used to line up a lot when you had five best pictures and five. You know, it was just people voting. There was no preferential ballot. Now that you have the preferential ballot, it it doesn't line up as well. Um, and you have disjunction. I love the idea that Del Toro will be the third three amigo. Uh, yeah, you know, just complete the trifecta there. Yeah, so Mexican directors the winning uh, the best best director prize, uh, which is sort of cool. Um, and I think he will. I I believe that you know looking. All right, so last the, the night goodwill that unbelievable for him. People, so. people love him and they're rooting for him even if they have issues with, with the movie. Um, the, the movie is strong too because it has so many uh, crafts behind it. Um, so as does Dunkirk of course. Um, but uh, you do have a, a romance with Shape of Water and that's where you lose some of the people who just can't buy uh, Sally Hawkins falling in love uh, with, with a merman, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I didn't totally buy it either, to be honest with you. I think that's the weakest element of the movie is that it's visually astonishing, but that the romance itself is not quite as, as, as uh, well scripted as the movie is visually real. He's a visionary more than he's a, a, a screenwriter in the traditional sense, but that doesn't necessarily knock him as a director in this category. Exactly. So the director, I, I actually have wondered if the screenplay was going to uh, make it. The original screenplay category is so competitive and you, that's where you have the big sick and get out and Lady Bird, you know, which have to get in, if you see what I mean. 
Um, it would be a, a shock if any right. of those were. So you could see, you know, something like uh, uh, maybe Shape of Water not making it. But um, in in the uh, and and then you have uh, the Critics' Choice Awards last night, which are often very predictive for whatever reason. There's more like 300 members of the Critics' Choice as opposed to the much 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 smaller groups like the Golden Globes and and your group, the New York Film Critics. And so it, for whatever reason, they do match up um, and they're a little more mainstream. Well, um, you're seeing more of a main. Uh, a broader reflection That's of right. how the race has sort of played out in people's awareness because awareness is so key to um, the way people end up voting. It's so. still critics. It's still critics, yeah. but but it, but let me maybe they're not as highbrow. Let's just the, put it that the, way. And the campaigning is affecting them in in a I broader. I don't know. Sense. I don't know if that's true, Eric. I I, I, it, I don't think campaigns if they um, line up, then that, that there's got to be some kind well, of Well, we don't know how campaigns... Well, well, let me put it a different way. They're not being manipulated... Um, I don't think they're being manipulated by campaigns. I think that there's momentum. I do believe that momentum plays a role. Where everybody's sort of going, okay, it's Alice and Janney. Or everybody's well, yeah. going, okay... That is a campaign. You know, that, I mean, it's an invisible campaign. Or it's a campaign in it's tandem It's not invisible, with the but it's just that we can't define how, how much each individual vote is, 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 is influenced sure. by that. We can't. I, right. I, but to your point, it is, it's a larger group of people, so you are going to get more of a consensus choices perhaps less of the kind of surprises in that respect so of course Alex and Janie wins and of course Shape of Water and things like that that um, that don't surprise us in, in quite the way that some of the other things we've seen to date would and certainly not in the Golden Globes level of, of surprises. Um, so today is the day we're on Friday now the today is the day that the um, ballots have to be in uh, by 5 p.m. Pacific time and um, they, uh, therefore, there's no overt awards campaigning going on. Well, we get to go off to Sundance and, uh, and, and, and basically Price Cooper, uh, Water, Price Waterhouse Cooper are tabulating the, the ballots over the next uh, period of time until their, the nominations are announced on the 23rd of January, and then we will have a whole other set of things to look at. You're after the Globes, it's sort of like people just kind of settle in for the most part to a couple more screenings and Q&As, and then we get to exhale, and we get to go to Sundance, and exactly. and there's and then there's some key there's things like the Producers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild, and and you know we'll be tracking those, but um, we get to exhale a little bit while the uh, while the Price Waterhouse Cooper counts the uh, the ballots and does the preferential thing, which yeah. is such a Crazy, crazy. They're thing. still at it. This is their last chance, right? Right. I heard a great anecdote from somebody recently who said when the uh, Press Warehouse Cooper guys came into the uh, 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 academy to do a presentation after last year's ceremony, some one one of the members of the board was basically like, "Cut the bullshit." This guy was backstage tweeting, so you know. They're, they're already on thin ice. They've kind of got to prove themselves this year. So hopefully everything goes smooth for them. But it's also it's going to be interesting because no matter what, you know when these nominations come out, there's going to be some kind of deficiency, whether it's 
you know, lack of diversity on the gender front or on there the... There could be some very know. white acting categories. Yes, exactly. This, that, that's, this could be... You know, I mean, God forbid Mary Blige doesn't get into supporting actress or Octavia right. Spencer doesn't get in, you know, or or the Jordan Peele thing doesn't happen. You know, we could have some problems. Right. And then, you know, they've got I mean, when Oscar So White first came to a head with all these white, like not not a single person of color nominated, at least. And not not to say that this mollified anything, but it, they did have Chris Rock as a host. And, you know, it was, it was a, an ideal platform to wrestle with these matters up front in his monologue, whereas this year they've got the white dude they had last year who's going to have to stumble through that. He so, did a good job. It'll be well, he was fine last but, year, but, but I mean, there was a pretty diverse year in Moonlight I won Best Pictures. I was very pleased to see that the, the, the American Society of Cinematographers did nominate Rachel Morrison for Mudbound. And Mudbound has been collecting a few things along the way. It isn't being completely overlooked, uh, although we shall see what happens with the Oscars. But well, a lot of people have seen Mudbound. I mean, I've, I've, like even non-industry people, I tell you, people are watching it on Netflix. There's a lot of interest in that movie, and it it actually plays pretty well in a wider sense, even though it's you know a a, a sort of depressing drama in a way because it's very beautiful. It's very, it's very engaging, and uh, just the craftsmanship is impressive. So that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get as many nominations as Shape of Water or Three Billboards or Lady Bird, but it certainly would be a surprise. Well, I, think I, think it it it. I think it'll yeah, get three. I think it'll get adapted screenplay and supporting actress and song, maybe. You know, Mary J. Blige. But oh, well, I'm see. pulling for the Coco song, so I can't believe that didn't win the Globe. I was shocked. I was shocked, shocked. too, actually. I mean, if it hadn't won animated, that would have been, been you know, insane. But they The Greatest Showman for whatever <laughs> bizarre it got a reason. stupid moment. I went to see that movie on Christmas with my family, and, you know, we had a time. We had an experience with <laughs> that movie. I mean, it's not even a movie. It's, it's, it's very it's, bad. Let's insane. be honest. It's, it's like a ridiculous kind of... Uh, it's like a, going to see somebody who doesn't quite know how to put a circus together, put a circus together. It's a it sequence of musical like, numbers. Yeah. It should have been a Broadway play. I hope they turn it into one. Well, the yeah, but the music blue, is kind of weak. I don't know. There's this one moment where Hugh Jackman arrives at the train station. He's playing P.T. Barnum. And, you know, he's 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 he's... he's suddenly meeting his wife and children for the first time in months and at that very moment there's sirens and and, and the, the the cabinet of horrors whatever his pt barnum thing is the circus is is burning down <laughs> it's yeah just it's a little one of those kind of movies where you go what the hell what rules are they playing by here yeah, I mean, I had a great time going out to a carnival-themed cocktail bar with my family afterwards and sort of, you know, it's it's a cheesy cornball kind of a thing. I, it, it wasn't a huge hit, so I don't see like the logic driving this in the first place was a little misguided, especially at such a busy time of the year. But, hey, you know, sometimes these strange things slip through. So they got their Golden Globes moment. It would be a, kind of a shock if they had their Oscar moment, too, at this point. But uh, I will say what, what's been interesting to, to me is, is seeing up close uh, how much back-and-forth shuffling there's been at the start of the year from East Coast to West Coast and back again. I mean, it's, it's, it's really uh, it's shocking that 
most of these people are still awake considering how much you know intense campaigning has been going on especially in a year when we don't really know i mean we can say you you, you sound pretty confident about certain kinds of things but it's well gary oldman of- by the way who won uh, for darkest hour i'm going to take a a bold prediction here and say you know, Darkest Hour is going to do better than people think, even if it doesn't get nominated for Best Picture. And Gary Oldman will be still the front runner for for Best Actor. I think. Unless everybody's favorite shiny new face, Timmy Chalamet, continues to charm the hell out of the entire industry. He's doing an Eddie Redmayne. There's no question about it. Um, I I have to say, I I've, that has occurred to me. So there could be a surprise there, but um, he's I, better than Eddie Redmayne. Not, I'm not saying oh. like from an artistic, just in terms of the way that he, because he is also he's slightly. Let's give him some credit. And he's he's younger more than fresh Eddie Redmayne. Face. Yeah, Eddie yeah, Redmayne exactly. had paid his he's right out of the womb to a, I mean, quite a, an extent before he got okay, to those. Okay, so at the NBR, nobody got more shout-outs at the podium than Timothy Chalamet. I mean, he talked about loving Paul Thomas Anderson, and then Paul Thomas Anderson said, you're on, let's work together. Tom Hanks came up, said that James Franco threw a dinner party of all people for all the best actor nominees for the Globes, and everyone shared a story about what they were doing in their early 20s. And Timothy Chalamet said, I was in Lady Bird and Call Me By Her Name, and everyone beat him up or something like that. You know, it's like everyone's sort of astonished but also charmed by this young talent. He wins either way in terms of where he's at professionally. I was going to say, he's a breakout. I mean, that's not I mean, we'll see what happens with the Woody Allen. He's a major star. I mean, and he's going to be having to deal with those awkward questions (laughs) as he goes forward. I kind of feel for Army Hammer, who seems to be sort of in... Even as he's been so supportive, the, the kind of support for Army Hammer has basically been all about propping up Timmy Chalamet's, or Timothee Chalamet's, uh, you That's know. That's his job. He's got to so, be professional about that. Yeah, we'll see how that one shakes he's down. He's the supporting actor in this case. Yeah, and, and ultimately that seems to be Call Me By Your Name's best shot. It may get some other nominations like supporting actor That's for That's another Army. case of a movie that keeps get, winning some, losing some across the board in terms of where it's included. Exactly, exactly. Well, if you're putting money down on the Oscars this year, I really don't know. I mean, well, when we see those nominations, we, we can certainly It'll start. It'll make it clearer. I mean, it was only we didn't even on... talk about Itania. I mean, let, let's not forget that movie is Margot around. Margot Robbie, she's in. Allison Janney, she won Jan- the Globe. Basically, I mean, unless something, you know, unless Tiffany Haddish squeaks in there, I mean, anything's possible. <laughs> but I, I, I would love to see something like that happen. I'm, I'm all about surprises, even when the movies I'm pulling for don't necessarily win, because it just makes them more interesting, you know, and, and we end up talking about the same things over and over again. Last year was exciting because stuff got all messed up at the Oscars. This year is exciting because there are a lot of possibilities of things not going the way we expect them to. So I will happily... I don't know about you, you're a little bit more intense about this stuff, but I will happily be wrong about everything if it makes the conversation more exciting. In any case, as you said, uh, we are going to get a little, take a breather at Sundance. So next week when we record again, while uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers does its thing, we'll be fully enmeshed in, in, in Park City mode. What are you excited to see out there, Ann? I am really excited to see after 10 years, I can't believe it, it makes me feel old that it's been 10 years since... Uh, Tamara Jenkins did uh, Savages. So uh, she has a new movie called Private Life, which I'm excited by. And then there's Juliet Naked, which is based on a Nick Hornby story, which I'm pretty excited about too. So 
Both. Yeah, I mean, bo- both of those look uh, compelling. And, and the Tamara Jenkins films, it's on Netflix. Is so it's one of a gazillion Netflix movies that they have coming out this year. But you know, the, it's it's the kind of filmmaker who it sounds like could really benefit from that support system. So that's a that's a really positive development. Personally, I'm I'm glad that it sounds like there's a really strong crowd pleaser up front starting the festival, which is blind spotting. And a lot of people especially critics, tend to be cynical about the traditional big Sundance crowd-pleaser, but at the end of the day, Big Sick was a pretty good movie, and I was it's usually the movies that are in that slot are not totally grading. They're actually really rewarding, and they're fun to see with a big crowd and end up being a part of the conversation throughout the year. So there's this buddy comedy of sorts called Blind Spotting that's co-written by uh, Rafael Casal and David Diggs, who was in Hamilton and sort of based on their life directed by this guy, Carlos Lopez Estrada, and sort of about their lives as movers. And it just sounds like it's, it's, I have a feeling about this one. There's obviously a lot of industry interests as well. But I have a feeling this one is going to be the kind of, the good kind of Sundance crowd pleaser that people like me get really excited about that's very sharply written, very tight, and also bringing certain people whom I've admired to the foreground in, in a new kind of way. And then at the totally other end of the spectrum, there's a midnight movie called Mandy, with Nicolas Cage, and it's the latest movie from the long-awaited follow-up from this guy, Panos Cosmatos, who made a movie called Beyond the Black Rainbow a couple years ago, which is a totally nuts movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Mandy, it's like some kind of like cult movie with Nick Cage. I've heard some good buzz, and you won't want to see it. It's not your kind of thing, probably. Excuse me! I cannot wait. <laughs> well, I don't see it at the midnight screenings very often. What can I say? But uh, they tend to be highlights for me just because sometimes it's not even a great movie, but it's just like a wild experience. But this one is apparently going to be quite strong. So, you know, again, I went so so on the night before Oscar nominations, I forced myself to go to the secret midnight slot and it turned out to be Get Out. So the, the, the there's something really lovely about the contrast between the Sundance universe and the Oscar universe and that sometimes they can overlap you're still experiencing two different kinds of aspects of the industry at the same time, and they have their their own rewards. Inevitably, we'll be exhausted and at each other's throats, which can be entertaining afterwards. See you out there. <laughs> Eric, you're out of your mind now. You're completely, you're imagining you, you know, well, we're going to be I wrestling in the snow. <laughs> yeah, imagine Just because the worst we're staying in scenario. close quarters. No <laughs> well, chili party. No chili so party this that. year. No chili party. It is important to state that so people don't just show up at do our condo. Do not come to our condo. It will yeah, not be open for business. Spread the word. You heard it here first. In any case, I'll see you out there. Bye bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.